Hello and welcome to episode one of Not Another Teacher podcast with me, Martin Malone. And me, Poppy Gibson. We're here to help you protect your mental and physical health so that you can thrive both in and out of the classroom. First try, just nailed it, done. (laughs) (laughs) It was perfect, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, but no, um, I guess we should kind of start with why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. And to me, like, I don't, obviously we've spoke about, we've discussed it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. we haven't really spoke about it a lot, so I think it'll be a good thing to chat about on the podcast. Let's do it. And to me, like, obviously I have a real big passion for, like, teachers health but both physical and mental because I think they're so interlinked and I think there's so many people I chat to who get into teaching who they're five ten fifteen years into it mm-hmm. they don't recognize who they are anymore mm-hmm. they don't feel good in the skin and even though that is a physical problem like they may be carrying too much weight not feeling good in the clothes a lot of that comes from the mental side of it. Yeah. And that comes from teaching because it's a job like no other. Like, exactly. I don't know about you, but I always say you can't, like, you can't know what teaching's like unless you've been in it, unless you, <laughs> yeah. you've done it, because it is mad. There's nothing like it. And to me, that's the big thing. Like, and that's what I think a lot of this podcast will probably be about, the journey about it all. It's going to be given good tips good tricks mm-hmm. good understanding and and also i've been giving people a different perspective on teaching because i think it's always been seen as like a vocation rather than a job mm-hmm. which is which is fine and it's a great thing and i think that is why everyone gets into it but it's almost being used as like oh well because it's a vocation we can put so much onto you because it's for the kids yeah so true so true and i think that's that's the the kind of nature of the beast because we've got people going into teaching that have these certain personality traits like I know Martin you and I both are yeah. admit we're people pleasers right oh, I, do you know what I don't think you I don't think you can be a teacher without being one because <laughs> I don't think you'd last you just go now I'm not doing this maybe so so like because of that I mean that's just what one trait I would say many teachers might share but because of many of these qualities we have we do end up at risk of burnout because we are people that just want to give, you know, we're not in teaching for the money, right? (laughs) So, so what we end up paying with is ourselves and our time and our energy and our care and love for others. And, and that's can be really exhausting, can't it? Oh, hundred percent. And I think the trouble you have is higher up. And when I say higher up, I don't mean SLT or head teachers, I'm talking about the people who are making the big, big decisions. Mm-hmm. Those people are normally politicians. They normally seem to be like CEOs and business people now. And they don't have that people-pleasing element. And they will take advantage <laughs> yeah. of whatever they can. And mm-hmm. they just know that there is a group of people there who, no matter how bad you make it, will try and suck it up just so that the kids have a better life, have a better education, have a better start to their whole life. And that's the trouble. The people at the top know that they can just keep cutting and cutting and chipping away and teachers will just patch that up. Yeah. Like, yeah. what is it now? Average teacher works 60 hours? Like, wow. That's not sustainable, is it? It's not sustainable. And part, part of the problem is, I think, Martin, that we're, you know, everyone knows you need to take care of yourself. Like, 
teachers aren't silly we know they need to invest in self-care but when you get home after a shift where you've been in school from I don't know 7 30 a.m yeah left at I don't know half five six p.m by the time you get home and manage to have something to eat the last thing you want to do is find that well find the energy to actually look after yourself for me a lot of my evenings were coming home putting the tv on and then just like falling asleep yeah. <laughs> that's when I'm you're not-, not worried about the marking but I mean I'm sure the- these are lots of issues that will come up throughout our series <laughs> yeah and that's it and these are little things that we can focus on during the podcast stuff like mark and stuff like that balance and stuff like that but mm. like even there I always try and highlight to the teachers I work with like just then, even in that scenario, which is a pretty normal scenario for a teacher, half seven till half five, yeah, that is 10 hours. That is a 10-hour shift, which is already more than the general population do. Mm-hmm. And 90% of teachers will then go home and do the work that they didn't have time to do during that time. Yeah, like... and also <laughs> on top of that, a lot of teachers might also you know, be in relationships or have children of their own. So yeah. that work doesn't even end. And and it is crazy when you think how long that day is. But it's not just a job where you are, you know, sat in one place at a desk, for example, which, you know, I admit desk jobs also very stressful in different ways. Yeah. But you're spending your day looking after 25, 30 small people with their complexities and challenges. So I think that's why you're just expending so much, aren't you? Because you're not just thinking about work. And, and where you mentioned, Martin, those people at the top, that that's because their aim is focused on the work but our aim as teachers is focused on the people yeah. that are ever changing that are ever more complex you know that needs support in in ways that the only way we can reach is through communication through giving so we we're just constantly giving aren't we i feel like as a teacher you're kind of like a jug of water and your whole day is just pouring out to help fill others cups does that work does that work as an analogy 100% and the trouble is so many teachers never get to fill their own jug back up and that's where the the big problem comes in teaching I think and when you think about it like the trouble with teaching in that sense is even though as you said everyone knows you've got to look after yourself everyone knows you've got to have that mental health that checking that way you're the easiest person to let down like, if you don't show up in school, if you don't show up for the kids, if you've got family and friends, if you don't show up for them, someone will notice. And you've let someone down or you've disappointed them. And teachers, as people pleasers, don't want to do that. So you always end up at the bottom of your own ladder. You always end up at the bottom of the pile because you don't want to let anyone else down, but no one knows if you let yourself down. And that's where mm. that saying yes to everything comes in that's where like taking on stuff that's where just having that stiff look upper lip comes from you know wearing that busy badge of honor and and i'm not having a go at anyone that does it like i've been there i've done it in the past but it's almost time where people have to go do you know what i got into this career as you said not for the money but because i want to help people and i love teaching and if i carry on at this rate I'll be lucky to do five years. Yeah. And that's that's crazy when you think how long people spend having to get the qualifications, <laughs> to do the training. And when when you think, you know, looking at the stats, some people train for as long as they stay in the job. And all the debt amassed with training is just, 
But, you know, just back to what you were saying there, one, one of your Insta reels totally made me laugh this week, Martin. It was the one where um, the, it's like a member of SLT telling you, like, basically, you're promoted, you're going to take <laughs> on, you know, when someone leaves a school and then instead of re-recruiting, it gets offered out. And the way, you know, these things are always packaged up as a way to further your career, uh, yeah. a way to develop your teaching portfolio. And, and obviously back to the people-pleasing thing we said at the start, because we do want to do well and, you know, be part of the school community. We often do say yes, or, or we don't know how to say no. Um, yeah, that just really made me laugh. That did touch a nerve with me, actually. <laughs> I'm do, sure some of our listeners agree. <laughs> oh, my biggest wake-up call with that stuff, and I think it was my first proper, like, ooh, like, I've never really thought about it like this, was I just always, like, I'd been in the same school for, like, nine years. I was just always going up the ladder, and I'd hit, like, M6, and I was kind of there. School didn't have, like, that much budget left, so I was stuck on M6, and the head said to me, listen, we can wait and see what happens, but if any kind of assistant head or deputy jobs come up, go and have a look at them, and I'll support you in it. It was like, class. I went for an assistant head job and I got got an interview and I remember they said, have you got any questions for us? And I said, oh, just just one. Um, there was no kind of wage kind of structure on it. So I just wondered, what is the pay? And they said, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. So if you were to get it with your experience, we'd probably put it at 36,000 a year. Um, but there'd always be that progression where maybe you could go up, but it'd be a great experience for you to be an assistant head in a school. And I thought, oh, okay. And I come out and I thought, I'm on 35 now and I'm just a class teacher. <laughs> they want to pay me 1,000. Wow. And wow. Even, though, even though it was an assistant head, it was technically a deputy head because it was a school that had a super head and the deputy was basically the head who ran the school and the assistant head was his deputy to help him. And then the super head would just oversee. And I was like, so I'm practically going to be on a, a deputy head pet workload for an extra, fa- not even an extra what, not even an extra hundred pound yeah, a month. Yeah, after tax, yeah. <laughs> and wow. I just thought, like, oh my God, like, what's this so i remember like having a, ca- a chat with a couple of deputy heads i knew and stuff like that and i was like what do you think of this blah, blah, blah. and all of them said the same they're like yeah yeah it, i got told when i got mine like it's also a great experience being a deputy and then your next job will be the the big one and it was like oh how long have you been a deputy now they were like eight years it was like you're still in the same school aren't you <laughs> they were like yeah <laughs> wow so so did you take the job martin no no Okay. I, I just remember just really thinking about it and just being like, no, like this doesn't fit <laughs> right with me. Like that is a lot of extra workload. I saw the workload that our deputy head did and our head mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, they did get a decent wage for it. I still think it was too much of a workload, mm-hmm. but I was looking at it a little bit thinking to do that to do that workload still be a class teacher have all that extra responsibility yeah. and then not even give me even a hundred pound more a month like is insane I think you made the right decision based, <laughs> yeah. based on what you've said but I think that do you know what I think that is again part of the floor of our system because we have got people who are committed to education I remember so 
I know you and I were both in the primary school for a, a similar period of time, like, you know, over a decade. And the amount of times I took on roles, like when I look at my CV, I was head of computing, um, head of PSHE, head of modern foreign languages at one point. All of these were at different points, by the way. <laughs> um, but for, for each of them, you know, there was no extra money. And now I work at university. Um, I run two degrees in primary education, but the same thing. So when I moved to my role, and again, I, I love lecturing, but they were like, oh, we, we would love you to become the course leader. So what this means is I'm like the kind of front of the degree. So I do a lot with recruitment, recruiting our students, have to interview students. And then obviously, I manage my team of staff that help me lecture as well as lecturing myself. So it's a really busy job. And then when I said, you know, do you get more money as a course leader? You don't. But obviously, <laughs> I want to progress in my career. So I'm kind of in the same cycle again and you know it's not the university's fault it's not a school's fault it's the way that the system is set up that's so much we do is just for free and and like it's baffling when you say it out loud it is baffling but the reason I'm doing it firstly I love doing it I I love it I love having that control and that relationship with the students and the degree but equally when I look at some of my colleagues who do less than me because they're not course leaders but get paid the same or something slightly more than me (laughs) is really, and again, it's not about the money, but it does make you question, why am I putting so much of myself out there for free? I I don't have an answer to that. (laughs) Do you know what? I think it's just, I think it's just the boundaries, which are just so distorted in education. And like, I think some of it comes from people pleasing. And to me, another one that I truly believe is because, Probably you were the same as me. Come out of school, went to university, became a teacher, and you don't know any other kind of mm-hmm. way of life. That's how it was for me, anyway. And like my wife, um, she's a paramedic. And when we first got together, she was saying, like, oh, I had a disturbed lunch. Like, you know, they had to, they needed an emergency. We were the closest team. We had to go. And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, it's not bad though, because. I think, she, I think it was, you get £20 or £25 for the disturbing your lunch, and then you get your full lunch again because they've disturbed it. Oh, wow. And I think in teaching, you just don't get a lunch. No. <laughs> and, and let's think, it is wet play season, regardless of when you're listening back to this. Oh. <laughs> wet play season. And again, I know you have some great reels about that, but <laughs> the amount of lunches, you'd see the rain clouds coming, you know, just before 12, yeah. and you thought, that's it. like. I'm I'm stuck back in here, you know, and you don't get a break. You yeah. re- you really don't. That's it. And and even kind of wet break at lunch, even if you're not stuck in the class with them, they are in the class. I know they can't go anywhere else, <laughs> but they are in the class. So you can't do any work. You can't do any work. And then there's always that one issue and they come and you know, they come and find you in the staff room and you're like, No, <laughs> <laughs> You're, you can't escape. <laughs> That's it. And, and there's so much there's so much like that with boundaries and just just things that have always been the case in teaching, which I yeah. think needs to change. And it just comes by setting boundaries because there is so much. Like, I'll go through some of the stats. Like, we were chatting about them before, like, about teaching. But mm-hmm. no teacher ever talks about it because no teacher wants to be – I wouldn't say you'd get looked down on for being like oh, the weaker teacher because you feel like that because you're definitely not. If you're feeling stressed or burnt out or exhausted, it doesn't mean that you're a weak teacher or you're not as good. 
but teachers kind of feel that in themselves and then they just don't talk about things and then because everyone holds this high standard where no one sees this massive massive kind of struggle everyone feels it and just keeps it bottled up inside like it was 78 percent of teachers were stressed last year wow like, i mean and they're the ones that admitted it because like you say they're the ones that started the survey and admitted it but if you think about that like over three quarters of every school are stressed like stressed out 95 percent of head teachers are stressed like that's ridiculous basically every head teacher you ever meet is probably stressed out to their eyeballs yeah i think it's mad in that sense you know like teachers mental health Teachers have had mental health issues, 41% of them. 41% of teachers, four out of 10 in the classroom, like are suffering with that mental health problem. And and that's the thing. They're in a role where if you're having, you know, a tricky day, you're having a wobbly morning, you can't just go in and sit in silence at at your desk, you know, and ignore everyone because you've got to perform. So this is the cycle, isn't it? We're feeling exhausted and burnt out. But like, so even yesterday at university, I, I was having like a really wobbly day. My students were amazing though. Um, and they actually brought me a hot chocolate. It was so cute. But again, I couldn't just say, oh no, I can't do this lecture right now, you know, because yeah. you you have to show up. You have to be there. And we were, we, were talk, we were talking about their dissertations. So I knew they needed even more kind of nurturing and care from me because they're stressing out about their dissertation. So I was having to give more of myself, you know, because they were anxious and, and worried and, you know, needed that extra love from me as their, their lecturer. And so it's really hard because even on those off days, you can't, you don't have the time to be off. You can't not show up can you no and that's it and and there's so much of that way like you just have to suck it up you just have to suck it up you just have to get on with it and i think the trouble with that is like that practice makes perfect like the more you are doing that the better you're going to get at it the better you're going to get at putting a mask on the better you're going to get at just grinding through the day and that's where that stress that mental exhaustion that turns into just constant burnout yeah it, it, it's it's constant burnout and like 40 well it says here 36 percent of teachers suffer through constant burnout so it's not just feeling tired for a little bit like every day you are getting up you feel burnt out yeah and you know i think this goes back to the system because I know friends of mine, they're not well. They'll say, oh, I'm going to call in sick today. But I remember, and I'm sure you do, and all the teachers are saying, the amount of times you'd wake up and just think, I can't be sick today. You know, we're doing our our class assembly or we're doing our mass assessment that, you know, I can't be sick today. We're doing our class trip. And you, you know, unless you are really, really sick, there are so many times that we do just think, I will suck it up. I will go in. I can't also knowing someone else will then have to take your workload which again you know the thing of who's but who's going to cover you know they're not going to get a supply in so is your TA going to have to you know do it for the day and you don't want to put the burden on someone else so and honestly I remember half terms and the amount of my teacher friends that that they're like can't wait for half term and then it comes and I'll, I'll ring them you know should we do something and that everyone's sick in bed everyone's yeah. like no I'm so tired I just need to sleep and so when we do get a break and people think teachers get a week off, um, a lot of that is is taken up by being sick and needing to rest, isn't it? 
that's it. And then when you're not sick and needing to rest, you're doing the work. You're trying to catch up on that little bit of work. And and that's the, it's just those cycles which constantly happen. Like I, I remember while I was teaching, honest God, the norm for me and the first two or three years were always, were a little bit rough, but then I really focused on it. I realized that I couldn't carry on like that. And I really focused on my health and fitness and listening to my body. But because of that, once a week, whether it was on a Wednesday or Thursday, there'd always be one or the other. I would get in from school at half four. I'd leave early because I'd be shattered and I'd just go to bed. And I would just sleep till 6 a.m. the next morning. Like once a week, I would need a 14-hour sleep. And then I'd feel great. (laughs) I mean, that sounds amazing. (laughs) You know what, though? And and I always used to say, oh, do you know what? That's just what my body's like. That's kind of what I need. Mm. What's interesting is, since I've left teaching and I'm doing this, I've never had to do it. <laughs> wow. So done, it, just... it wasn't normal for you. You yeah. thought it was. You'd become desensitized. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's just how it is. But it wasn't that it wasn't normal. I've actually I've been on webinars and stuff about that, about sleep now. And I've actually found out what is funny is there is such a thing as catch up sleep. So if you don't sleep enough, you can have longer sleep on certain days and it will like restore it all same as like charging oh, a phone if you charge it. but what was funny is i was doing that without knowing but mm-hmm. i was needing that every single week mm-hmm. to cope with teaching the rest of the time wow and that's not normal and no. for a lot of people i mean it's also amazing it's amazing but awful that you did that <laughs> i mean yeah. for a lot of people again back to what we were saying you know, more and more of my, my students that I see coming into teaching are mature students. So many do have families. And so, you know, they're going home, they're, they're working with the children or like you say, catching up on work. And yeah, that's not possible, is it? And and like you say, for you, it was it wasn't sustainable anyway. No, it, it wasn't. And it was it was that balance. And, and you hear all these kind of stories about how great someone is. Like, I remember one of the first teaching jobs I got. The head pointed out one of the other women there and he was like, see her, she's so committed to the job. She's got a family. She wants to carry it on. But when she gets home, she gets home at half four, from half four till eight, she spends all the time with the kids. Then she has a nice meal. She goes to bed for a little bit. She gets up at 2 a.m. She works till four. She has another nap. And then she comes in. And he was almost bragging that the fact she got up two till four a.m. to do school work was a good thing. Like That's he was so like, warped. "Look how look at that commitment." And there's wow. me, first job, and I'm thinking, "Do I need to do that? Like, do I need to have two, three hours of work every night?" But it's just that thing of it just keeps piling up, and it's yeah. teachers need to get better at setting those boundaries of saying no. And I don't think it's anyone's fault that they say yes, because as we said, every teacher is a people pleaser. That's why you get into teaching. And then the system is set up where you come in as a new teacher and look at all the other teachers and that's what they're doing. Yeah. And it just almost builds into that. But I know the teachers I work with now, the boundaries we put in place, it slowly brings that down to where they're all having sustainable hours, where they're feeling good in themselves that way. And yet none of the education is suffering. It's just getting mm-hmm. rid of those bits of fluff and just saying no to certain things like, no, I'm not doing that. But 
Martin, do you know what? You know I agree with you wholeheartedly, but playing devil's advocate with boundaries, I think part of the problem comes when you can't put a boundary on it because of, and I'll tell you like without naming, naming and shaming, <laughs> some of the toxic schools that I worked in, there was one where uh, the deputy head's office overlooked the kind of the corridor that left the school. And yeah. They would always be sat. So once the school day ended, they would sit pretty much like a kind of guard, right? Uh, like maybe this is just me, like over exaggerating, but they would just be sat and they had a little window that looked out over the corridor. And I'm pretty sure they would just be watching what time everyone was leaving. And once yeah. they did comment, I, I think I was leaving about four o'clock, which seemed really early, but it's crazy. My kids had been gone 45 minutes, but <laughs> you do feel like four o'clock. Wow, like it's early. Um, and I remember going and, and getting a comment on it and like a lot of the other teachers were staying till 6 p.m. And then so sometimes I was like, should I just like stay till six just so I'm not, you know, thought badly upon for leaving early? But then I was like, no, I've done my work. Like I've been efficient. I've, do I've done everything I needed to do. But and then like almost trying to sneak down a corridor like as an adult human trying to sneak down a corridor because I don't want to stay till six because you know I want to get home and have a bit of a life outside of school like that it was so warped I actually I didn't stay at that school very long because no, great, yeah. like you shouldn't be judged we all work differently like what you were saying Martin we all work differently as teachers some of us prefer to get in early and that's what I was doing getting there early yeah. and getting everything done before school some people like to work late and but there was definitely for me this fear of being spotted leaving early because I thought it would look bad on me. Like th that's just crazy, isn't it? Like now I say that out loud, that's crazy. Oh, and do you know what? And it's them little press cues, isn't it? Which is sometimes pull. And I think it's sometimes about being brave at the beginning with stuff like that. Like if you go right, do you know what? I'm just going, and you carry on leaving. You just get more comfortable at leaving at that boundary time, which is so, so useful, I think, in that sense. Because it's like everything we're teaching. Like, the first time you stand in front of a class, it's daunting and it's scary. The first time that you've got to kind of give an assembly to everyone, it's daunting, it's scary. But then the more you get over it, the easier it becomes. And that, to me, is like a massive, massive one with it. It, it's just finding that side of it where you feel comfortable, you feel good with it in that sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree. That's it. And, and and that to me is the big one. And I would say, like, we'll probably talk about this on a different podcast episode, but I would think the best way that anyone can set the boundaries is to have their school diary and to spend five, ten minutes on a Sunday filling it in with everything they want to do for the next week. And then if anyone comes to you and asks something, just never say yes. Just say, <laughs> oh, can I check my diary? You get your diary That's a out, good idea. And then you just look and just go, oh, like, when do you want me to do like that? No, no head or no deputy is ever going to say, well, you got a free slot there at like 8 p.m. at night. And if they do, maybe it's time to look for a different school. Mm -hmm. like, it, but most will be like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah I've got a lot on that week. And most things in school don't have to be done urgently. Like, okay, if it's parents' evening, you are going to have to make your boundaries a little bit flexible and stay for parents' evening. If you're doing the school report at the end of the year or putting the data in, mm -hmm. okay, you might have to be a little bit flexible and kind of do that 
But just because that happens, what, two times for parents' evenings a year and then one report, two, maybe three data, doesn't mean that then that time is like, oh, well, you do work at that time, so you can do all these other jobs as well. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. it shouldn't be that case. Exactly. And I, th- I think that's part of the problem is not everyone in your school sees everything you're doing. So, yeah. you know, uh, we all know generally you're probably teaching 8.45 till 3.15, but when are you running clubs? When are you having to call yeah. a parent? When have you got, you know, that meeting with an external agency or ed psych or having to set up your, you know, upcoming trip or residential? So I really like that idea, actually, having your having your diary, I guess whether it's digital or, or paper diary, right, with everything mapped out. Yeah, it's a really good idea. I like it. And and the big thing with that, like as you were saying there, no one really knows what like what other yeah. people are doing. Yeah. And I would truly believe that like I think some SLT and some heads get a bad rap. And you said as you were saying before, you've worked for some, which probably that warrants the case. I've worked for one who was an absolute nightmare, which we'll probably get into at a different time. But most just live in a little bubble. They're yeah. in their little bubble. And they don't really think about what your workload's like. They're just handing off tasks so that their stress can come down. Like we said before, 95% of heads are stressed out to their eyeballs. They're trying to reduce some of that stress. They say to you, can you do this? You say yes, that bit of stress is gone. If you say, let me check my diary, let me have a look, and they see your diary, ninety, probably 90, 95% of them aren't going to push that extra work on you if they say it's unmanageable. They'll go, oh, you've got a lot on there. Let's look at this a different way. Or maybe someone else can yeah. do it. And, and you know, I, th- I think the diary is a nice idea because we were saying it's hard to say no sometimes, but if you've got yeah. that physical evidence, like yeah. you, you haven't even got to say no, you can just go, yeah, look at my diary for this week. And then that can say the no for you, right? Because sometimes yeah. the hard thing is saying no because we don't want to disappoint people um but yeah so i really like that idea almost like that can that can do the speaking for you right <laughs> oh 100 it's it's literally just like you just say can i check my diary get the diary out and then bang it there and that's the big thing with it it's it's setting yourself up i think like boundaries habits routines structures everything to protect your mental health is all stuff that you set up in advance, which make it easier for the week. Same way if you plan lessons, your lesson plans are to make sure that your week is easier. That's what it's all about. The same with this. You set up that diary, you set up different habits and routines, which I'm sure we'll talk about at different times. But the more you do that, the better it'll be. And hopefully school will just get that little bit easier. And that's the big thing. It's just really focusing on making sure Definitely. that everything is right that way. Definitely. And I think, you know, something like filling in your diary might then in itself seem a time-consuming job, but actually the time you put in, putting that in will, will actually be better for you in the long run, won't it? Because firstly, you won't miss anything. Like that is my Achilles yeah. feel is I forget to put stuff in my <laughs> diary and then then I'll get a, a Teams invite, oh, can we meet at this time? And I'm like, oh no, I actually have a thing then. But yeah. Then I think, why didn't I put that in my, you know, online diary? So I do I actually I do need to get better at that. But it does work really well if you can just get into the habit of doing that. 
which I'm working on. As, as we go through the <laughs> podcast series, I'll update you on how well that's going, Martin. <laughs> yeah, that could be a good one to see how it's changed for you and stuff like that. But that's it. It's little things like that, as you say. That seems time-consuming, but it's got a massive benefit. It's actually like physical exercise as well. Like everyone always says, oh, I don't have the time because I've got so much work. But if you take yourself even just for a 20-minute walk a day, you will release hormones and endorphins, which actually make you focus better and make you more productive, which means that work might take less time. Like how many times do we try and at the end of the day, you'd be tired, you'd be shattered, you'd have something to do, and you'd probably spend 15, 20 minutes doom scrolling on your phone. Like if you go for a walk in that time, you're probably going to get the work done quicker. And I know it's not as perfect as that every time, but it's those little systems, those little nuggets of gold that you can take, which all add up to something special when you put them together. Exactly. So true. Not bad. I think it's a good place probably to wrap it up for today. I think we've talked about loads there. Yeah, we have. Like, we've done, we've done think well. about. The main one being boundaries, right? I think that's a really good takeaway for today is really yeah. checking how you can protect yourself because that's what a boundary does. It protects you and protects your energy. Um, so I think, yeah, that's, that's a really good takeaway. Like looking forward to the week ahead, how are we going to put boundaries in place that protect us and and that's what's going to keep us enjoying our job right it's going to keep the energy to stay passionate to be the best us we can be for you know you for your clients me for my students and you know our families comes from when we protect ourselves so we aren't totally spent that's it and I think that's a good way to look at it if you struggle to put yourself first we'll put your family first put your family first put your friends first but do that by telling yourself, well, I have to do this so that I'm there for them more. I have to sit down for 20 mm-hmm. minutes and fill that diary out. Mm-hmm. Not for me, but for my family so that I'm not going to be a burnout wreck each night and at the weekends. <laughs> yeah. I need to go on a 20-minute walk at the end of each day to decompress, to feel good, and to have more focus and more clarity mm-hmm. when I get back home with my family. Like all little things. It's just how you word it to yourself sometimes. And if you feel selfish with it, it's about putting that onto other people where you're saying, do you know what? I'm doing it for them. Yeah, I love that. Good advice. (laughs) As I say, we'll wrap it up there. Um, Where's the best place for people to find you? Oh, I mean, everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I know we we all love different platforms, but you can come find me on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. Come find me at Poppy Gibson UK. Come find me on Instagram, which I think is how we met Martin through Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. I'm definitely I I just love your reels so much. Yeah, come find me there, Dr. Poppy Gibson, or or anywhere. LinkedIn, if you're a a professional, if you want to come (laughs) join the professional space. What about you, Martin? Where can people find you? You can find me on pretty much everything with at the teachers PT, but I always say to everyone, like Instagram is definitely the one which I'm on the most. So uh-huh. if anyone's got any questions or wants to reach out with anything or connect in that way, if you message on Instagram, I'll probably reply within the day. If you message me on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere else, it could be six months. <laughs> Every now and again, I'll look and go, Oh, I've got I've got a message and and be like, oh, it's from like October. Merry Christmas. Yeah. They're definitely the best ones. And obviously this is a new podcast. So if you've made it to the end, first off, well done. And second, like 
give us a share, give us a review, because the more that does, the more it's going to help. And I was thinking if people share it and then just one extra person listens to it, yeah. that one person might be the person that needs to listen to it. And it just helps everyone. Definitely. Because I think sometimes as teachers, again, we don't always have that time and space to to share how we're feeling, to reflect how we're feeling. So hopefully that's what we'll do, Martin. Just really pick out some of those issues and challenges that we had um, in teaching, that we see in teaching, and then really, yeah, just sharing how we can make our, our lives a little bit better. So, yeah, thanks everyone, who, like I say, who's made it this far. <laughs> Yay! Oh, brilliant. Well, we'll call it a wrap for now. So bye, everyone. Bye.